Hello, gorgeous. Welcome to the Single Women's Society. I am your host, love and dating coach, Kat Cantrell. And I invite you to come on in and to take a seat next to me, order your drink of choice, because I have an on-air coaching call to share with you today. These on-air coaching calls are so special for multiple different reasons. And it's such an incredible honor and privilege that these women come forward, they volunteer their time, but they also volunteer their heart. They're opening up not only to allow me in, to give me an opportunity to hopefully guide and, and give them a different perspective, but also that they're sharing themselves with you. And when I do these on-air coaching calls, whenever I'm, when I'm done and I stop and I hit record and I always tell them, I'm like, if there's something that you don't want to share, or if you, if there's something that you want me to take out and every single time they're like, no, I'm good. These women always say they're, oh no, I'm an open book. So ask away. And I'm just so grateful for these beautiful women who allow me this incredible opportunity. So are you ready? I cannot wait to share this on-air coaching call with you. So ladies, please help me welcome Tiffany to the show. Tiffany. Hello. Hello, hello my love. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And uh, you look amazing. Thank you. As do you. Yes. Aw, thank you. <laughs> I, uh, so Tiffany and I actually have, we've known each other. Gosh. We've crossed paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a couple of years probably. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm so honored first that you are allowing me into your heart this way. This it's an incredible privilege. So I just want to thank you for that. And also, mm-hmm. um, I, I just feel that being able to have this opportunity with you is going to help not only you, but all the other women that listen to this. Cause I know that a lot of women will listen to just the on-air coaching calls just to see, you know, they can hear a lot of their own stories. And I think that when you, when you filled out your form to be a part of the show, I was like, oh my gosh, I absolutely have to have you here for an on-air coaching call. So I'm so happy you're here. Do you want to, oh, good. Uh, so let's, Tell us, so tell, um, tell us a little bit about you and let's go into your previous, let's go into your dating history. So let's talk about the, one of the things that you said was that your picker is wrong. So let's talk about your picker and then we'll kind of just kind of go from there and what led you to apply for this call today. Okay. Um, I, I, it's just always been wrong. I've always probably, I think had a crush on the I wouldn't say the bad boy, but just the one that, I don't know, that gave me a run for my money. I like a challenge. I've definitely gotten that in the men that I've chosen. Um, I, you know, I went for super extroverted in my early twenties and um, had fun, but then realized that the highs and lows of emotions, I'm an emotional person and my emotional swing 
challenged with theirs. I was like, no, too much. So my early thirties moved, well, I moved to Iowa from California at 29. And a week after I moved here at Fieldhouse, I met a man and um, was with him for five years and we got engaged and he was the opposite of everything I'd ever dated. So I thought that I was changing the directions of what I was picking. So he was even keel. He was no emotion, um, which then at year five, I was like, can you just have a feeling, please just Mm. tell me that you feel something inside, please. Um, so I went from one extreme to the other and I need something in the middle, I guess. And, um, my most recent one, I guess what led me here is I have been spying on your page and looking and, but I was in what I thought was the it relationship because the first year of it was amazing and then things just kind of dominoed um throughout the summer and then you put out this call and I had become single so I said why not let's talk about it let's get some advice from someone other than my mom and my best friend <laughs> yes it's so funny you mention that because I taught I make fun of that all the time where I'm like it you know even your mom and your best friend still have a filter yeah. They're not, they don't give an, uh, you know, unbiased opinion. Yeah. So you, it's interesting. So you went from the bad boys in the twenties is what I'm hearing. Right. So yeah. the emotionally unavailable guys, the rough and tough kind of guys to can't hold the, the com- job, but they, yeah, those guys mm-hmm. to the complete. So when the complete opposite, so the, the, the guy that you were engaged to, he just, you said he was emotional less and he didn't show any emotion. None. Okay. Okay. Like very, very, (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know the words. Um, I, at first it was super attractive, um, because, my family has a lot of highs and lows. And so we had some health issues when I first started dating him and he was this very steady, very constant person. And it was refreshing at that point. But then when you're in a relationship and you're begging for, you know, to be loved with your love language or just needing some support in a little bit deeper of a level, a lot deeper of a level, um, Mm -hmm. because you're engaged and you're five years in and, um, it's just, not there because he, I don't think that he was capable of giving it. So now you're single. Yes. And you, so tell me, tell me the time, how much time did you spend in between your engagement to the gentleman that you were engaged to, to this past boyfriend? Um, two and a half years of just dating. And that was all online dating, all online dating. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you, have you ever taken a break from dating? I mean, yes, but not because it was like my conscious choice. I'm going to take a break. Um, Mm. I, when I was 20, I guess I was 27. Um, so my late twenties, my brother got super sick and I turned into Mm. a caretaker for him. I was working 70 hours a week and then, um, going, driving 45 minutes to my parents' house to just give them some reprieve and help them. So I took that time off. And then when I moved to Iowa, it was kind of my time to do me. And it was just coincidence that I met my ex-fiance like the week that I moved. And so I just thought everything was kismet, you know, would you, do you really think that your do you really think that your picker is off? Like when we talk about these last two relationships, 
would you say, would you really say that that's, that that's what the issue for you is? I guess maybe talking about it right now, I think that I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't leave when I should. I probably should have left both relationships a lot sooner. I feel like the warning signs came when you're out of them. It's so much easier to see love kind of blinds me personally in that way. Um, but then being removed, I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't have told my girlfriend to put up with that. Oh yeah. I would have told her to run like, but in the moment I'm, you're, I'm blinded by love and what the future might look like. And these people who promise me things and then don't want to fulfill them. And by things, I mean, I've always wanted to get married. I've always wanted a kid of my own. Um, and so both of those, both of my exes, my long-term most recent relationships, they both promised me that. And then the marriage part with my ex-fiance was definitely on the table, but he was having huge second thoughts about having kids. His oldest Mm -hmm. was 16 at the time. His youngest was, I think she was 11. So he was having serious thoughts about that. And then, um, the most recent ex, my biological clock is ticking. I'm 37. And so, um, he knew that I was ready now basically. And he just kind of was not, so, and that's fine. I, I am totally fine with people changing their minds. Um, I just think it was, it deserved a conversation versus avoidance. And I tend to find men that like to avoid things versus conversing with me on them. Mm. Do you think that in both of those relationships that possibly, so we know that, so we know that you, your goal is to have a family of your own, to get married and have a family of your own. And I think that what you're going through is really something that a lot of women in their mid to late thirties are going through right now. A lot of single women, they feel that pressure of want, you know, have, you already have that career, you already have everything, but now you're ready to really have that true relationship to be able to get married and have children. And you kind of said something where you said that you wish, you know, you could have left earlier when it comes to, when you think about both of these relationships, was there a time to where, was it a switch with them that they said, no, they didn't want to have kids or were there like little hints that possibly it wasn't going to be something for them? I think that both of them were different. I think that my ex-fiance, there was definitely little things. Okay. I think that, um, his job had changed. He had decided he was going to go back to school. I was in flux with what I was doing. Um, and I think that he just kind of saw that window closing and I think he was tired. He was older than me. And I think he was just kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know that I wanted to do this. Maybe five years ago when we met, you know, I was more gung ho about, he was more gung ho. But then um, I definitely think with this ex that it was definitely, he was going through some custody stuff with his ex-wife and, mm-hmm. um, in July that got resolved and he wound up not getting his way in it. And I think that he was scarred from that. And I think that he's going through that. And I think that he's going through some depression on that, which, and that's the thing is I, I want to love people through it. Like that's what I sign up for is to love people through it, but right. he kept pushing me away. And then the fact that he could talk to other people about it, but not me just made it evident that it was never gonna, yeah, like he had been talking about for months with other people and not at all about me. And I mean, we would go to church together and there was one Sunday where I just could sense that he was, 
that that's where his head was at. And I just kind of bawled and expressed to him what, where I was coming from. And we decided to table the conversation till January because he just wasn't even, he couldn't talk about it with me. So, um, but that was that's really hard. I came to him bawling and crying. And then his demeanor just really changed. He went from being super loving, super supportive to like me being excited that he touched my knee when we were at church. Mm-hmm. And I, it just, things just totally, he just got really standoffish and that, I, that's not how I want to live my life, you know, at all. No. So yeah. Yes. Well, thank goodness you got out of there. And I, and maybe this is a huge part of my problem, but I don't, I feel like I like am very upfront with like, here's my flaws. <laughs> this is me. Take me or leave me. Cause I okay. don't want to find out later that you can't deal with my neuroses that I can't go to bed without the dish, like the dishes clean or that my grill cover has to be on after you grill or whatever. I'm like, no, no month one, please put that on. <laughs> We're not going to leave that off. So, okay, well, let me ask you something. Why do you feel the need to do that? Because I right want to be front. I want to be up front. Like this is me. And I want someone to take me or leave me, to love me in spite of my flaws. That's yep. ultimately what I want at the end of the day. Oh, and absolutely, I- absolutely. I agree with you 500%. However, I'm, big. I'm not a liar, a cheater, a rot, like, you know, there's no funny business going on, but I am human. I do have, you know, my little quirks. I'm 37. So we all have our things that we like a certain way. Yes. So do you, okay, let's talk about that. Cause I have a philosophy on that. I'll share it with you in a minute. So when you, okay, when you first start dating someone, is this date one, do you sit them down date one and you're like, this is what it is. Okay. So tell me, like when in that process, are you sharing these details I mean, about yourself? I think that it would be with people that are comfortable that I invite into my home or um, okay. that, that we have gone on a few dates and we do see a okay. future. It's like, okay, I want to warn you. Like, I like to go to church. I like, I love my family and I'm going to go see them once a year in California. Sure. And I think that those, those are important things to bring up. And I think the way, you know, the way that I see those things and cause the only reason why I, I pushed you on that is because you said it's a problem. It's not a problem, right? Like it's, we want to share intimate details about ourselves with people that we are, that we're interested in and that we possibly see a future with. And so I do think that there are, I think that there is a certain point within the, the process of getting to know one another to where you do disclose these important things that you want to share with someone. Um, so it's not a problem, right? It has to be done. It has to, it has to be to the point where you're comfortable enough to be able to share. It's when we overshare too early that to me, it's the person has to earn that right to know those things about you. And I never thought about it that way. There's no reason why they need to know these intimate details about you on the first time you meet them, the second time you meet them, even the third time you meet them, right? Like slowly allowing yourself, because these are very special parts about you. These are the quirky parts of you. These are the parts that make you, you. And, but I feel like you have, you know, what you want 
like you, I think that you know what you want. The struggle is, I think that you settle with what you're given. Yeah. I think that, uh, I mean, both of these relationships, I definitely settled in my twenties for sure. But both of these relationships, like I remember being excited and so happy. Like I won't forget calling my mom and like telling her about my most recent ex, just like he wants the same things I want. We're on the same exact page. We were brought up the same way. Like being so excited, you know, that that Mm -hmm. was, so I didn't feel like I was settling. I definitely felt like I was settling at the end when I was begging for my needs to be met and just begging for him to give 10% more. And he literally couldn't give it. And I think that he just had a lot on his plate. And unfortunately, when we met, it was the height of COVID. So he was able to give Mm -hmm. me all. And then I see, I see he resumed his normal activities and it was like, yeah, I don't think I have time for this. So, and I kind of got, and it hurts. Like that's, that sucks. Like being the thing that is easily removed, you know, especially because I felt like I was such an added value to his life. Okay. So my question is, so one of the things that I, that I tell women is that you show up to the relationship as much as you know, you show up the way that they're showing up. And what happens is, is that if we're over delivering and they are under delivering, no matter what that is, like there's even a saying where it's like you get wifely privileges by being a girlfriend or whatever that, that whatever that saying is. And all that means is you're way over delivering in hopes of to get that love back. And so, and you don't, right. And so then you're like, okay, well, this isn't working. So maybe if I do this, maybe this will work. Maybe this will change his mind. Maybe this will make him pay attention. Maybe this will go, oh, well, gosh, well, thank you so much for doing all these things for me. And then he's still not showing and needing you where you need to be met. Thousand, like a thousand percent. Yes. That's me to a T with both those relationships. Mm -hmm. to a T. Yeah. I just, if I can just do a little bit more for him, maybe that'll get their full buy-in or whatever. And not, I mean, they tell me they love me. I just didn't ever, there came a point where I wasn't feeling it, you know, my needs were saying one thing is we can say words all the time. It's, it's actions and how they were treating you. And, and, and Tiffany, I think what happens is what's happening in these relationships is that you are staying too long. And I didn't realize that this was going to be a, like a coaching session about your previous relationships, but we're going to move forward. We're going to, we're going to, we're going (laughs) to, um, but this is a pattern. It's a pattern. And this is why I want to talk about this because we want to avoid having the knowledge of knowing that this is a pattern. You'll be able to recognize it moving forward in your dating life. Right. So it's, so with both of these relationships, it was a pattern to where you were way over delivering and they were way under delivering for you. And you kept trying to push and push and push and try to get them to acknowledge and to see and to the point of frustration. And what happens when we get to that point is that we become remorse. Like we have, we have, um, feelings of like being vindictive. Like we start to be passive aggressive. We start to have, really being really upset with them because they're not seeing, they're not seeing our actions. They're not seeing what we're doing for them. And we become really upset and it's really our fault because we never 
we keep showing up and showing up and showing up, not setting the boundaries. We are training them to know that this is how we're treating them. Right. And this is the norm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the advice that my mom gave me in both is like, you need to pull back. But once I've given so much, I don't Mm -hmm. know how to pull back without feeling like a bitch. Oh, I don't know how to take it back without feeling like I'm teaching them a lesson. And that's something that I don't want to do because I do love so much and I do get joy out of helping others and fulfilling need for them and the nurturing part of it. Like I do get so much fulfillment out of that. It just feels very taken advantage after a certain point in time. I don't, I agree with mom, but I would phrase it. I would phrase it. It's not pulling back. It's don't ever pull back. This is the thing is that you're who you are. Just like you said, you're like, I can't do like, I, this is my love. Like, this is how I deliver love. Like, this is my love language. Like, this is how I communicate. This is how I, this is how I tell others that I care about them. So it's not pulling back necessarily. It's just finding someone who's going to meet you. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's you giving a little, seeing what happens, just giving a little seeing what happens. Then if they give, then you're like, okay. And you just keep moving to where, to the point where you meet halfway. It's when it becomes such a huge distance to where you're giving and giving and giving and giving. And it's been so long. Yes. Of course you're going to feel like a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone has got accustomed to it. This is your lifestyle. This is the expectation. This is what you're supposed to be delivering to the relationship. It's the norm now. Right. you're going to be a disruptor by being like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then you being you most likely you're going to feel like you're selfish, right? Yep. You're going to feel you're going to, yeah, you're going to feel like you're going to disappoint everyone moving forward, knowing this, knowing that this is what you do in relationships. I think moving forward, it's being aware of knowing this about you, knowing that this is a love language that you, this is what you speak knowing that this is what you are deserving of. I think that you, you know, being vulnerable and telling your potential person all these things about you. I I love it that you're, that you're so open. So moving forward, like mom said, what'd mom say? What'd she say? I think she said, pull it back, pull it back. Think of it as they need to earn it. Yeah. Yes. You said that earlier and that resonated with me is they need to earn the pieces of the quirkiness that's me and they need to earn. I think it's a huge attribute to dating me that you get this woman who's amazing with kids and will love them unconditionally. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think they do need to earn that. And I don't think that I make them. I think that I just give it because it's, I feel like it's a part of me. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, it just takes those little like tweaks of like looking at things just a little bit differently. Now I think that I agree with you. Do you have any other questions as we were talking? I think I've been interrupting you and asking them as we go. I apologize. I know it's been great. No, 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 no. Um, just even talking it through with you, like but I think just changing, changing the dynamic of how I look at it and 
in a few different areas of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, the time frame, and two, you know, the trickling in, like you said, so I don't have to feel like I'm pulling back. Right. And you're the bitch, right? Yeah. Right. Don't want to be that. <laughs> don't like it. There's one more thing that I want to ask you that you put on your intake form. And I just want to kind of, if you want to talk about it. So there is one thing that you said that you felt that you're unlovable. Yeah, I did. I did put that. And I think that, so I've since then, um, my dog is getting very excited over here. Um, Aww. <laughs> um I did go to therapy. I've okay, gone good. Twice since that. Um, okay, good. And I don't, I think that in that moment, because I feel like both of my exes, I'm going to get emotional about this, but both of them said something. And that's kind of when I really was just like, oh, it's done with this most recent ex is like, I, they both said that they couldn't give me what I wanted, like that I am in my twenties, my long-term relationship that I went in and out of a relationship with told me I wanted like the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I want the fairy tale, but I definitely want someone who's self-aware and aware enough to see like, because I can be very direct and blunt and ask for what I need. And then when it's not met, I get very disappointed because I point blank asked for it. And so that's, I mean, with this most recent ex, I don't, I, I think I was saying earlier, like I asked him if you can just give 10% more then I could, I could make this work, you know, like I could, I could live in this area for, for a season of life. Like we will evolve through it. We'll grow through it. And that's when they just look at me and they're like, I can't, like, I can't give you what you need. And I struggle with like going back and forth with it with is what I need too much, but it's not like no. and what therapy has, is helping me with like, I'm entitled to be loved that way. Like I'm entitled to want my love languages met because I want to meet theirs. And I think that that's a normal feeling, but especially going through the dating roller coaster, when you have, you know, two significant relationships tell you that it just kind of like in that week. And when I did that intake form, it was just kind of like, oh, maybe it is me, you know? Like maybe it's actually me, not the people I'm picking. And I think that it's, I don't think it's me now. It's hard. It's like, it's rejection. It's really hard. It is. It, yeah. It's rejection and that's not easy, but. Um, and quite honestly, Tiffany, that's an easy thing for them to say. Yeah. There, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no substance behind that. There's no, and here's why I say this. And maybe your therapist has already said this they never met you, right? They never met you ever. I mean, maybe at the beginning, but your request to have an extra 10%, they're like, I just can't give you what you need. They've never showed that they could provide to you what you need. And they never gave forth the effort. Right. I don't feel like they tried. Right. So it's really easy for them to say, I can't give you like the problem's not me. It's you. That's way easier for them to say than it's not you. It's me. Right. 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 She doesn't like that I'm crying. Mm. 
So I'm so glad, I, I'm, I'm glad that you went to therapy. I'm glad that you're feeling better. Yeah. And yeah, it's rejection is hard. It's a, it's a horrible reality when it comes to dating and relationships. And I mean, marriages, all of it, it's just, it is difficult, but I'm yeah. still, I, I'm still happy that you got out. Me too. I, the more I hear and learn and the more that I think about what I want and you know, what I was getting, I, I'm very happy that I got out and of both relationships. Like I, I haven't looked back and, you know, calling off a wedding was dramatic. We were like exactly two months out from the day. And, um, it was, it was hard, but I think that it definitely was the right decision. And because the life that he's currently living, it's not a life I would have been happy with. So, if I had that crystal ball, you know, yep, <laughs> like, I, yep. I'm yep. like, oh, I'm glad, I'm glad I made that decision. So, and it, it really is like sometimes, and I'm sure other women go through this, like you get comfortable in being single and feeling like you're enough. And then you find somebody that you think you can actually be a partner with. So that's, that's exciting. And then going back to the, like being single thing, that's a whole nother battle and that's originally why I'd gone to therapy because it's just coming home to an empty house like oh yeah absolutely it's not easy like that's the hardest part for me is the yeah Mm -hmm. I used to he would get off work before me most days and so he would be here when I you know not even that we lived together he just worked close and we spent all of our days together so coming home to an empty house is my least favorite thing and eating dinner alone. That's the worst part. I hate eating dinner alone. That's yeah. I, I enjoyed eating dinner with somebody every night. So. And I, you bring up really valid points. I think a lot of women will purposely stay in relationships because of the routine of it all, because of, I mean, I've heard so many times women say, well, I'd much rather be in this relationship than be alone. And to me, like you, I know that here's the thing is that everything is a choice, right? So you could have chosen to stay and it could have chosen to keep, you know, to stay in that relationship, but instead you chose yourself and you chose being strong and being courageous and being able to temporarily eat dinner by yourself. Yeah. It's only temporary. And, and I have plenty of good friends. And so it's just getting back in the motion of things and getting my social life back because I, especially with COVID and then dating. And oh COVID, yeah. So easy to slip into the, just the two of us pattern, you know, mm-hmm. so I rarely do that when I date and I did that with him and yeah, it's like, okay, I want myself back and I'll mm. be, fine. I'll be fine. You will be. You will be. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being here, Tiffany. It's so good <laughs> to see you. you. Yes, you too. Thank you, Tiffany, so much for sharing these intimate moments in your life with me and with the women in our community. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It means so much. And ladies, I hope that you were able to take a little nugget away for yourself, for your next relationship, that relationships, when something When we notice a pattern, it's not necessarily that we have to omit this certain type of person who has these certain type of qualities, 
because people have qualities that we're attracted to. It's that sometimes we have to change our perspective. We have to change the way that we're looking at it. And also we have to realize that sometimes this comes back to home base, right? It comes back to you of really setting those boundaries of showing up to a relationship in the way that they're showing up. And so I hope that you were able to take some good bits and pieces from this amazing, incredible on-air coaching call. So thank you again, Tiffany. Thank you so much for sharing with all of us. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Single Women Society. We're having listeners from all over the world and I'm so, and so grateful. So if you are watching on YouTube, hey, what's up? Please make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and click the bell. So every time we upload a new episode that you are here with me. And if you're listening on Spotify and YouTube's, mm, iTunes, even though I think they're changing. I think they're changing it on the Apple platform where you just click like, I think there's like a plus sign if I'm remembering. Anyway, no matter, just make sure and subscribe and rate and review because I love to hear what you think about these episodes. I want to hear from you. So I love it when you do that. And as always, if you're following me over on Instagram, I hope you're enjoying the reels as much as I am creating these for you. So please make sure to follow me over on Facebook and Instagram at Kat Cantrell. All right, my love, thank you again for tuning in. And remember, true love is waiting for you. And I will see you next time. Bye.